Okay, let's hear from some of you guys then. So I want to hear, what were your family values growing up in your households? Who wants to, who wants to speak into the microphone? Show me. Who, anyone want to say anything? Family values. Eat round the table. Eat round the table. Very important. Very good. Anybody else? Family values from over here? Order and cleanliness. Order and cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Anybody else? Family values? Yes. Eat what's on your plate. Eat what's on your plate. Absolutely. You eat what's put in front of you. This is great. They're all food related. Yeah, go on, Kerry. Adventure. Adventure is out there. Play outside and have an adventure. Yes. Oh, yeah, on, Bridget. Sorry, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Is it my... Now speak kindly, all, always, if possible. Speak kindly, always, if possible. That's great. Anybody else? Maybe one or two from over here? Yes. No swearing. No swearing, for Jeff's sake. Anybody else? One more, one more. Somebody from over here. You guys at the back, you've been very conspicuously quiet. Go on. You can be as mean as you like during a board game, but it has to be left at the board game. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> what happens in board games stays in board games. Very good. So as I said earlier on, we, we as a church are a family, a small expression of God's family, and our Bibles tell us that we're all adopted into God's family, and that we're to relate to one another as brothers and sisters, um, and that like any family, our church family has values just like your family's growing up. We may not notice them, we may not articulate them, but they are values and they are there nonetheless. Um, but there's no better way, I found, than discovering what your family values are than introducing a complete stranger into your family. Have you ever had this? Like where you go around, or you, maybe you go to someone else's house and you're like, how on earth do you function like this? So one of my friends growing up, uh, they had a family value that animals were as important as humans. And so this family had a pig that lived in their living room. No word of a lie. And bacon, yes, absolutely. Yeah, like the pig lived in the house with them. It was awful. It was terrible. Um, and obviously we've had the same um, in our family as well. Um, but you, you, you'll discover family values oftentimes when you just go around to someone's house. And sometimes it seems strange and weird to you because they just don't quite clash with your values. So as I say, as a church, we've got a whole load of values. And oftentimes we don't really discover what they are until somebody comes into our family setting and kind of steps on them or gets offended by them. And I had this just last year. This something happened. There was a young chap who came along to our, our church on one Sunday. Lovely guy, really jolly, had a conversation conversation with him. He's a really nice guy. And, and I spoke to one of my friends afterwards and I said, oh, he was such a nice guy. I wonder if we'll see him again. And she said, no, we won't see him again. I said, why not? And she said, well, I was talking to him afterwards and he said that there's no way he would join this church. There's no, come on. What's wrong with this dude? Like our church is amazing. Our theology is perfect. Our talks are hilarious. Our coffee is delicious. Like, what's wrong with this guy? So I said to her, like, why? Why does this man not want to join our church? He's clearly psychotic. And she said, said, no, he loved everything. Everything was fantastic. But he said that because the children were in so much, it just ruined the whole gathering. It just, he said, because the children were about so much, it ruined the entire gathering. Ooh, how are we feeling right now? Anybody feel, how are we feeling in the room? Give me some feedback on that, on that reaction. Yeah? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. 
Ah, fantastic. It's literally coming up in like two minutes' time. Brilliant. Anybody else? How are we feeling? Come on, be raw. Let's have it. Wasn't he ever a child? Great. Very good. Keep it coming. We are. It's who we are. Yeah? Yeah? Go on, Cap. In my way, yeah, Kat thinks in my veneer kids, I'm not going to comment. Um, yeah, so for me, that was a real moment of going, oh, that is such a strong family value. That's a value of mine, and I think it's a value of ours. Like, can we all resonate with that? Like, the kiddos being present is kind of important. Um, and so, um, goodness gracious, I'm all over the place with this. Um, and... Yeah, so on one hand, I didn't really care what this stranger thought because he was a complete stranger. But on the other hand, I was really cross. Like, didn't he know what he was missing out on by dismissing the children? Like, doesn't he realize how valuable the children are? Like, doesn't he get how they're an integral part of our church? Like, um, all of this is to say, it just served as a really helpful reminder to me. It was a reminder of why we as a community gather in the way that we do week on week. Why we engage with the children so much. Um, why we play a game to start with, why we don't take ourselves too seriously, why we let the children speak into the microphone, why we ask them to serve on hospitality team and on tech team, why we sing an upbeat action song at the beginning so that they can all get involved, why we don't make a fuss when the kids make a lot of noise at the back, why we make a slot at the end of every gathering to hear from the children, and why we have tea and toast and board games for them afterwards, because they're hungry. It's because as a community, we place an enormously high value on our children. We consider them to be, but we have been given the task of keeping and protecting and investing in. So today, if it's okay with you, I want to speak into a Gloucester Vineyard Church family value, that children are extremely important. I'm going to tell you why I think that's the case, um, but before I dive in, I just want to acknowledge that all of us are coming from different places today. You know, some of us are parents of small children, some of us are parents of kids who have left home, um, some of us are single, some of us are married with no kids. For some of us, the idea of children is like a hopeful future thing. For others, it's a painful and complicated present issue, um, and others of us think kids are awful. Let's just be honest. They just want absolutely nothing to do with them. Just saying. Let's just acknowledge that there's plenty of different positions in the room. I just want to say that what I'm going to share today, I really feel is for all of us. And no matter where we're coming from or how you feel about children at the moment, I really hope that it will become clear that um, this is not a message for parents. This is a message for all of us. So we're going to focus our attention this afternoon on a little interaction that Jesus had uh, with his apprentices. Um, and we're going to pick out three things which I think really inform this value about children. Can I have a volunteer to read? Somebody want to come and volunteer for me? You can volunteer or I can pick on you. <laughs> Awkward moment. Yes, Steve. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. You're amazing. Um, so I've taken two little passages in Mark's biography of Jesus' life, and I've kind of smooshed them together. Two little interactions uh, where Jesus um, uh, interacts with children. Um, and this is a really typical day in the life of Jesus. You can imagine, if you shut your eyes, you can imagine Jesus. Just do that now. Shut your eyes and imagine him. No, he's not that white. He's much more. He's a Middle, East, he's a Middle Eastern man. He doesn't speak any English. And he's surrounded by a crowd of people of all ages, hustling and bustling and asking him questions. So let's listen to what Jesus had to say to children. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. 
that has literally nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I just think it's hilarious. The disciples, like grown men on the road, being like, oh, I'm better than you. You suck. Sorry, carry on. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him, and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. Another day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks, that's great. Anyway, it's fine. Um, Great, great. so that's two little mini interactions that Jesus had with children. You can find them in Mark's biography of Jesus' life in chapters 9 and 10, if you want to read some more. Um, So the first thing that I want to pick out from that is this, that church must be a place where children are welcome. Church must be a place where children are welcome. You can just picture the scene, can't you? There's a big crowd of people around Jesus, all asking for his attention, and you really can't blame his, his apprentices in this moment for being bouncers, for basically trying to filter the people coming towards Jesus and make sure that only the important people uh, really came to get through. Um, I was reading a little bit this week around this passage about um, the value of children in that culture, and it turns out that children in those days had very, very little value, much, much lower than they do um, these days. In fact, the only value they really had was the love that their parents lavished on them. So they were only really loved to the measure that their parents loved them, and that was pretty much all they had. So not exactly welcome. And I just think it's really interesting that in that ancient culture where children are only as valuable as the amount that they're loved by others, that Jesus singles them out as the most important. Jesus jumps children right to the front of the queue to see him. He gives them his full attention. He gives them his best time. He blesses them. Now, can anybody remember a moment when they were a child where they didn't feel welcome? Anybody ever been in a place where they were like, I'm in a place and this place is clearly not designed for me as a child? Anybody ever been in that place? Just me, a couple of nods, a couple of hands, yeah, great. Um, Emily's grandfather, my wife Emily's grandfather, is a very generous man and occasionally he'll take our whole family out for dinner. And in fact, he he actually did that yesterday, it was lovely. And um, our children were really well behaved, I'm pleased to say. They sat nicely, they talked to the grown-ups, they ate all their food, they said thank you. Impeccable manners, very pleased. It was not always this way. We have been to many posh restaurants with Grandpa when there's been pulling at the tablecloth, screaming, throwing peas at people, complaining, crying, moaning about the food, asking when pudding is going to be here. Uh, you name it. They've just, it's just, yeah, and that's just me. Exactly. <laughs> oh, um, and, uh, we, we basically learned that a posh restaurant is not a place for a small child. It's just not a, an environment that's designed for small children. Now, can anybody remember a time growing up when you might have engaged with a church and not felt welcome when you were a child? Anybody had an experience of that? Yeah, there's some hands in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that would make Jesus really cross. I think 
that Jesus would be extremely upset about that. We just heard Jesus saying, let the children come to me and do not stop them. He got really angry with his apprentices when they wouldn't give them access to him. And Jesus says something else pretty, pretty meaty there, and we'd be wise to pay attention to this um, before we move on. He says, anyone who welcomes children in my name welcomes me, and they welcome my father. Anyone who welcomes children in my name welcomes me, and they welcome my father. Now, I don't know about you, but I want this place, this church, to be a place where people meet with God and form a relationship with God. And I take Jesus' words here really, really literally, that when we welcome children, we welcome the very presence of God himself. Why don't we take a few minutes just in those little groups that we formed earlier on to just chat this over. We're literally going to take two minutes. I'm not going to ask for any feedback. Why don't you just kind of talk about how does that land for you? Do you agree with what I've said there, that children must be welcome in churches? Or do you disagree? And why? Have you seen this done well? And what are the challenges around doing that? So take two minutes. We'll be back in two minutes. Go for it. Okay, I'm going to cut your conversations short. I'm really sorry. I'm just aware of the time. Um, but I'm, I can hear little snippets of conversation around the room, and I can hear you really engaging with this. Do continue these conversations later on if you want to. So the second thing, uh, the second thing that I really want to pull out and the second reason why this is such an important value for us as a church is this, um, that it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. Now, if you are currently raising small children and you're in the room, would you mind just quickly standing up for me? I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing. If you're currently raising small children, would you stand up? Yes, 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 yes. Stand up. Very good. Okay. Now, everybody just look around at who's standing up. Very good. Now, will you please sit down if you would rather raise your children completely away from all other adults? Please sit down if you would rather raise your children away from all other adults. So I can confirm no bums have hit seats. Thank you. You may sit down. Small survey over. Yeah, I thought so. This is a deeply true fact of the human experience, that raising children well is only possible in community. Now, I know that sounds like a really harsh black and white statement, but the truth of that statement has been borne out over generations and generations and generations of people. That phrase, it, it takes a village to raise a child. I looked it up um, this week, and I wanted to find out like, where it came from in the world. And scholars basically argue it either came from ancient Native America or it came from ancient Africa. But wherever it came from, basically, it probably came from both of those cultures simultaneously with absolutely no contact, no contact with each other whatsoever. So for me, that's just a real confirmation that that is just such an inherently true statement. And all of the modern parents in the room just agreed with it. It takes a village to raise a child. Um, those of us who are parenting in the room also have probably just just had an experience during COVID where we did raise our children away from other adults. It wasn't very fun. Um, I, yeah, it, it says it all. I made a new friend this week and her husband have just moved here from Scotland and I heard her saying to another friend, I'm just looking for my mum tribe. I'm looking for my mum tribe at the moment. Will you be part of my mum tribe? Um, it's something we hear all the time in our, toddler, in our toddler group vibe. I'm looking for my parenting tribe. Like, who are the people that I'm going to raise my children with? Who holds the same values as me and who can support me in doing it? That's why we're running our um, baby clothes swap, um, grow baby, uh, alongside our toddler group. So parents who come in need of baby clothes can also find a tribe that they can belong to. 
But the thing about being a church is that it's not just the parents who get to parent together, but everybody forms the village around these children. Now, if you're here today and you don't have children, then this message is for you 100%. I'll speak for myself as a parent in this church. I cannot do it well without your love and support. I simply cannot raise my children well without all of you guys loving and supporting. And I don't just mean recruiting you to babysit occasionally. Studies have shown that the key ingredient to a child taking their journey with Jesus from their childhood into their adulthood is having a person inside their church where they grow up, outside of their family, who comes alongside them and walks with them. The key ingredient, it's not having a decent kids' church, it's nothing like that. It's all about the friendships that they make inside the church with people outside of their families. So if you don't currently have kids of your own, can I encourage you that you have a really crucial role in raising the kids in this church? You are already magnitudes cooler to these kids than us parents. Magnitudes cooler. So when you take the time to chat to the kids, when you play with the kids, when you pray with the kids, when you tell them about your journey with Jesus or how you pray, your efforts make a disproportionately massive impact in these children's lives. We need you. Please will you help us? Parents in the room, do you agree with me? Good, thank you. Hallelujah. We do this together. That means that it's all of our responsibility to look out for and protect and safeguard and love and invest in the children in this church. It means that it's all of our responsibility to raise and discipline and correct and channel the energies of the children in our church. We do this together. Most of you will know that Hannah, who's our wonderful kids team leader, uh, has recently decided to pass the baton of leading kids church on to the next person. And so we're, re- we're looking to recruit, as Emily said, uh, a new kids team leader. And I just wanted to just take a moment to say that we chose our language for that job title very, very carefully. We don't want to recruit a a kid's pastor. We don't want to recruit a children's worker because we felt that that was in real opposition to this value of ours as a church. We believe that it's the whole church's responsibility to raise and invest in children in their journey with Jesus. And so we don't want to outsource that task to a professional because that's what we all get to do together. And so the kids team leader's role is to invest in the team that leads kids church, not to, you know, lead our children to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the rationale behind that. We were going to take some time to discuss, but I'm running short of time. So we're going to move on. The final thing I want to share today is this, that adults can and should learn how to follow Jesus from children. That adults can and should learn how to follow Jesus from children. Now, I used to think very arrogantly that children couldn't teach adults anything. And then I did some lockdown parenting of a five-year-old and had the experience of a primary school-aged child teaching me about English grammar. Um, Since that time, my children have continued to be like little sponges in the classroom, picking up knowledge and bringing it home on a weekly basis. All sorts of amazing things which I never knew. But apart from just facts, my engagement with children, both my children and other people's children, has taught me a whole load about what it means to be human. I've learned that my words are really powerful, that I can bring great pain or great blessing to somebody with how I use my words. I've learned that human beings need to receive love 
in the way that they most uh, that they resonate with it. That if I show my love to somebody in the wrong wrong way, they might miss it altogether. I've also learned that encouragement is so much more powerful than harsh correction. And so, so much more. And I think that Jesus was really onto this dynamic too. You might remember that, uh, that passage that we read earlier when Jesus said, the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. In another biography of Jesus' life, another guy, Matthew, he has Jesus say this, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew doesn't have the gift of subtlety. It seems that for Jesus, there is something about maybe the posture of a child, something about the attitude of a child, something about the innocence of a child, the resilience of a child, the trust and faith of a child, the joyful abandon or the carefree rest or the playfulness of a child, which is key to being part of the kingdom of God. And if we don't catch that from children, we won't catch that at all. And we will risk not being part of the kingdom of God. Jesus expects us as adults to follow the example of children into his kingdom. Now, I don't have time today to unpack all of what that might mean. And frankly, one of the reasons why the kids are around so much is because I really deeply believe this. And I want the children to lead us. I want us to be around the children so that we can observe how they follow Jesus. So we can copy them. That's one of the reasons why they're around so much. But suffice to say... That Jesus seems to believe that when it comes to following him, kids just seem to get it. I think, I think adults tend to overcomplicate things, we overthink things, we overdo things, and kids just seem to get it. So I, des- I observed this dynamic a couple of years ago with my two daughters. Um, Emily and I were teaching our children how to have a two-way conversation with God. And so we call that chat and catch. Hi. Um, we picked that up in a book. High five. Yes. Um, We picked it up in a book called um, Parenting Kids for a Life of Faith. There are high fives available if anyone's interested. Um, Multiple high fives. And the process goes in two two stages. The first thing you do is you chat. And so what we do is we, we we cover our mouths with our hands like this and we whisper into our hands. Um, Should we just have a high five break? Let's just have a high five break. Everybody get your fill of high fives. Very good. So the first thing you do is you chat. You whisper into your hands um, something that you'd like to say. And the reason we do that is because children find it really difficult to say things in their head. It's much easier for them to say things out of their mouths. Um, And so it's a conversation between them and God. No one else needs to hear. So we whisper it into our hands. And we normally say things that are totally, totally uh, of no no weight whatsoever. So tell God what your favorite ice cream flavor is. Tell God uh, something that made you really, really happy today. And we tend to just kind of slightly turn up the intensity and say, why don't you tell God something? that's making you a little bit sad at the moment or why don't you tell God who your best friend is or some or something at school that's worrying you and it's just a little conversation in their hands between them and God that's the chat bit and then we do the catch bit where we close our eyes and we try and catch something from God now we don't say hear from God because most of us don't hear physically from God and so when you say to a child um, let's try and hear from God they quite naturally go and quite naturally, they don't hear anything. But as some of us in the room would testify, when we open ourselves up to hear from God, we feel things in our body, we get pictures in our minds, we might feel something in our emotions, we might get a memory that's suddenly triggered, and God then speaks to us through that thing 
uh, that we're experiencing. And so we call that catching, because something's happening and we're catching something from God. So we're doing chat and catch with the kids. And honestly, honestly, the children are fantastic at this. It is hilarious. They will hear from God in two seconds flat or less. And so we're all very spiritual about it. We finish chatting and we go, okay, children, let's try and catch from God now. We close our eyes. And by the time our hands are open like this, they're like, got one. You're like, whoa. Daddy is a bit slower than you. Let's just give it a second. And so I'm thinking, this is going to be, this is going to be rubbish. And in all honesty, sometimes what they come out with is super trippy and very weird. Um, but most of the time, most of the time, they come out with beautiful, simple, profoundly true little pictures from God that speak really directly to them or really directly to where we're at. So one time, um, Eleanor, our youngest, we closed our eyes and within a second she said, go on! And she said, I saw a completely dark space and then a massive rainbow came and lit the whole space up. And I think that God was saying that he doesn't like the darkness because it makes people sad and he wants to bring light and color to the world. Amen to that, right? Our kids get this. Our kids get this. We have a lot to learn from them. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Good. So what? Why should we care? So today I've shared a bit about why we as a church place such a high value on children because church must be a place where children are welcome because it takes a village to raise a child and um, because adults should learn how to follow Jesus from children. And to finish up, I just want to share one final thought uh, as the kiddos come back in um, about uh, children in this church. Who knows what this is, this picture here? Who knows what that is? Yes! Some enthusiasm. Does anybody not know what that is? How? How? How do you not know what that is? Kiddos, do come back in and join us. You're very, very welcome, aren't they? Yes. So as the kiddos come back in, so that, that is Minesweeper. Who's wasted many hours of their life playing Minesweeper? I, I googled that picture last night and I lost a lot of time playing an online version of Minesweeper. So the premise of Minesweeper is really super simple. I'm going to let the kiddos come back in and find their grown-ups. Okay, so kiddos, welcome back. We're talking about children today, kids. We're talking about you, behind your back. How rude is that? So we are talking. We're just finishing up. It's okay. We've been very nice about you so far. You, we really have. So this, this is a very old-fashioned computer game. Has any, have any of the children ever played this? Ben, have you played it? Oh, you'd love it. You'd love it. So this is a very old computer game called Minesweeper. And the idea with Minesweeper is that there's a grid, as you can see, and some of those squares contain mines. What you have to try and not do is click on the mines, because if you click on the mines, you explode. So there are some clues of how the game works. It's actually pretty easy as a game. Now, I can remember playing this game when I was a kid, and I found it really, really tricky. And half the time, I wasn't completely confident when I was going to click on something, if it was going to be safe or if I was going to explode. And as I was preparing this talk for this week, the thing that I was catching was this. I just kept seeing a picture of this in my head, and I'm thinking, God, why are you showing me a picture of Minesweeper? And I think it's because of this. I think that uh, our children are growing up in a minefield. This is a jolly thing to say with the kiddos back in the room, isn't it? But I think it's true. I think the world that we live in is an absolute minefield. Just think about what it was like when you were a teenager, if you're a grown-up. Grown-ups, just think about what it was like when you were a teenager. And now just take a moment to think about what it's like for teenagers today. 
And now I want you to cast your mind forward 10 years and think about what it's going to be like for teenagers in 10 years' time. I know I don't have to spell this out to you. Our children are walking into a minefield. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? I'm not, am I? Thank you, children. And most of us in the room will be able to relate to have been beaten up by this minefield of life a little bit. Um, our world is a minefield, but it's the only one we've got. And you know, the example that Jesus set to us was to walk straight into that minefield and not to run away from it. And in this church, we refuse to hand our children a blindfold and send them off into that minefield. We refuse to allow our precious children in this church to walk into the world unequipped and unprepared. We will not simply sit idly by as our children growing up, grow up hoping that they will do okay in this minefield. We are committed to our children and equipping our children for the reality of the world they're growing up into. Not that they just avoid some common pitfalls, but that they would be agents of hope and joy in a really broken world. That they wouldn't just be careful and stay safe, but they would walk towards the danger with confidence and offer hope and love to those who have fallen victims of this broken world. So we don't, we don't just want them to stay careful and safe. We want our children, as they walk into this minefield, to walk into it whole and equipped and prepared and knowing that God loves them, that Jesus loves them, and that they have tools in their hand to bring hope and joy to this broken world. Is anybody with me on that? That's why we put such a high value on children in this church. And that's what we want to do through our kids' church. Um, and so we're going to end today, as we do always, with prayer. And I think we're really blessed to have the kiddos back with us. Yeah? So I think what we're going to do, I think we're going we're gonna to use this big space that I've created at the back. So kiddos, can you make a nice big huddle in the middle of that big space? Stand together as tightly as you dare in a nice huddle in the middle. And grown-ups, I want you to stand around them. We're going to stand around the kiddos. And so this is what we're going to do. So, we are going to pray for each other. So, grown-ups, grown-ups, hi, sorry, I'm really short, so I have to sound on this. Grown-ups, you are going to be praying for the children, and then children, you are going to be praying for the grown-ups. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do 30 seconds of chaos prayer from the grown-ups, and then 30 seconds of chaos prayer from the kiddos. And by chaos prayer, I mean everybody prays very loudly at the same time. And grown-ups, it's crucial that you pray loudly so that the people around you don't feel awkward. So we're going to do 30 seconds of grown-ups praying for the children, that God would bless them. You can stretch your hand out if you want to. And then I'm going to say stop. And then the kiddos, hi kids, do you want to pray for the grown-ups? Yeah, this is either going to be brilliant or awful, so let's give it a try. So I'm going to count down from three, and then grown-ups are going to pray from the kids very loudly, right? So here we go. Three, two, one, go. Go.